back to the 10th episode of Tales from the Tomb. It's been a long time. 10 episodes, it should be 20, but it's 10. Yeah, it sh- and it should be 20 because we've completely re- revamped our uh, studio and our equipment and our gear, and we're still not done, but we're working on it. We couldn't wait any longer to put this together, so yeah. um, we're learning new software and getting new stuff, and it's slowly going to get a little bit better. But um, we, Working we on mic placement, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So please bear with us. But we we didn't want to leave you guys any longer without something. Yeah, we are using mics now. Before we were just talking into a laptop. Now we're trying mics. Don't and, tell people that. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> Sitting they, in I a think closet. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to make it more comfortable for everybody so we can just start cranking these out Well, faster. especially us because we were cramped in a closet <laughs> before. But, you know, now we're in the bigger room. And But I found out that some of the, some of the big guys uh, that podcast, they do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, and, talking about in a bunch of clothes is not a bad idea. And and I'm not going to say who, but there's a there's a podcast I listen to, and and the host was saying that she's got a giant yeti costume in her closet mm, that yeah, helps nice. absorb sound. Now, and these guys are these guys are like like I said, the big boy. So I guess uh, I I feel I feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, I mean, you do what you got to do. But anyway, this is our our Walpurgis knocked episode, mm-hmm. and um. The reason why it is is okay. So technically, it was supposed to be we lost our we lost our files. A few of our files got got cut off. So, um, but anyway, we're gonna go on and run with it anyway. Now, while Pargus Knight is uh, named after an eighth century abbess and uh, named Saint Walperga, and um, she was revered for being able to kind of like um, stave away things like disease and plagues and whatnot, but also witchcraft. Okay. So to this day, people still uh, celebrate the feast of or the feast day or the celebration of Wal- uh, St. Walperga. Um, and a lot of times they will dress up and have bonfires and try to scare away witches and evil spirits of winter. Sounds like a good time to me. Well, I mean, not if you're a witch. Yeah. Well. No. And so we're going to, or people think you're a witch more likely. Yeah, they are. So we're going to get more into that right now. And um, first of all, our first story is we're going to talk about what witchcraft has to do with beer. Oh, witchcraft has something to do with beer, huh? Not technically, well, but. Apparently, but, apparently up until the 1500s, brewing was primarily women's work. Yeah. For what? I think uh, like for like 7,000 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Women have been helping to brew beer up until the 1500s, up until the Reformation. Yeah. There was a big now, smear campaign going yeah, on. Yeah, it was. And and essentially, um, beer is an easy way to get good calories. Um, so, around the homestead and, you know, you utilize grains and yeah, things like, like that. Yeah, it's like liquid bread. It is. So, because it was uh, highly full of ca- calories that would hold people over... Uh, women were often the ones that would brew uh, the beer in the home for the family. Lots of calories. So it was women's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then women decided, you know, particularly like widows and um, unmarried women would decide that they had found a way that they could make money off of this. So they would take it into town and they would uh, brew the beer micro and serve, brew. serve it to people. You know, the micro, the OG micro, OG micro brewery. Micro brew. And they would serve it in the town square, you know, in the marketplace for people. And uh, a lot of times they would cook this beer over a cauldron. Now, the way that they would have people see them um, and stand out in the crowd is they would wear tall, pointy hats. Well, yeah, that makes sense. You would want to be seen. You would get a product to sell. You want people to recognize you. You kind of get a brand. Even way back then, they kind of understood the concept of marketing and branding. Right. 
So they would wear big pointy hats, cook the beer over a cauldron, and often they also had cats with them. Now, Wait. the reason why they had cats with them is to protect the grains from rodents and pests. Wait, did you say big pointy hats, cauldrons, and cats? Right. Uh-oh. Right. So anyway, they're just doing their business, selling their, making a little bit of money because they're widowed or they're unmarried and or they just want to make a little money for the household. And then the Reformation comes along. And um, not only do they want to kind of keep women at home and keep them in traditional roles where they don't want them going out brewing beer instead of getting married and having kids. Um, and the guys, the men folk are kind of like, well, you know, we could edge in on this if we could just get rid of the women. So you know mm-hmm. what? Let's start a rumor that they're actually making potions and spells and they're witches. Those sneaky mofos. Right. I mean, if you want to stay home and brew beer, I'd be totally happy with that. Just to let you know. <laughs> okay. Everybody heard that. I am now going to stay home and brew but beer. But you got to brew good beer. You know. I'm going to wear a pointy hat over a cauldron and, oh, we do that. Wait, I do that already. Yeah, what's, okay. <laughs> it, that's a Tuesday. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so that's women's kind of like history and beer and what happened. And so unfortunately up until modern day, Beer has been associated with dudes. Mm, um, everything, beard oil, beards. Well, glasses. everything. I mean, not even that. You can you can stop before even like yeah. the hipster yeah, uh, micro beer movement, and the and, and you could look back at um, number one. Men have men took over brewing beer at this point. Yeah, but they also uh, pushed beer towards men. By saying this is a manly thing if you drink this. Mm-hmm. You know, dudes and rough guys, they drink beer. But you would Arr. never see um, beer really targeted to women. No. In commercials or advertisements or any of that. So um, it became like a dude thing when for thousands of years it was done by women. Dude beer. But um, I think hopefully now that women appreciate, I think, craft beer in equal measure as men, I think that hopefully we're going to see a turnaround in that. I think so. I'm, I'm there's some there's some female led breweries out there. There are. And before we get to that, I do want to mention that the where we're getting our information from from uh the uh the witches in beer um segment is from uh, Smithsonian Magazine and we are going to put a link to that in the show notes so you can read the article yourself. Yeah, we're not just making this stuff up. We're actually trying to get this from legit sources and link them so you can, you know, check them out. It's not just, you know, Whatever or whatever dot com. No, we are definitely gonna try to uh, try to uh, you know le- try to find some legit sources for everything we talk about because we talk about some wacky stuff, mm-hmm. and so I find some stuff no. sometimes that if I can't if I can't uh, find several sources for it, then I generally won't do that article unless it's just super fun, and then whatever we're gonna talk about it anyway. I guess that would be uh, another 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 use for the term witches brew. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I also am going to do is uh, we're going to have a link in the show notes to a an article um, from hopculture.com um, about, I believe it's uh, 40 women in breweries. So that? there are, uh, I think, probably over 40 women-led breweries in the, uh, I, think in the it's, I don't know if it's just in the United States. I think that the primarily they are it's listed in this article, but um, it's a uh, yeah. So I'm gonna put an article to that, and uh, we did try, uh, and I didn't know this. That was we, good. We did try a beer. That was a nice from, surprise. Yeah, from a uh, a women or formerly women run or um, founded company, which is New Belgium. Mm-hmm. And, good stuff. Uh, right, absolutely. 
So, uh, you know New Belgium from Fat Tire, Voodoo Ranger, and we tried Wild a... Wild Ride, huh? Huh? Wild Ride? Uh, we, yes. And so, the I think it is the, uh, the uh, let's see, the 30th, the 30th anniversary beer of, uh, of um, New Belgium is Wild Ride. Yeah. 30, 30 years at company, and that was their... Uh... That was their celebration for that. It was really good. Yeah. Now, New Belgium was founded by a woman named Kim Jordan and her husband, who's a, uh, and her husband back in 1991. And uh, they had some very humble beginnings. It was just the two of them. It's usually how it starts. Yeah. And uh, they started it in their Colorado kitchen. Oh wow. Yeah. And um, she had her uh, her business role model was really interesting. Um, in, uh, let's see, in 1996, it became a hundred percent employee owned. That's really cool. Yeah. Now, um, she has since sold it to, uh, Lion Little World Beverages. Yeah. Um, sometimes you gotta do that. And that's a subsidiary, 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 it's a subsidiary, I call it, I just say suburban dubbedary. Um, that's what um, I call it because that's I just it's when we do what I want. I'm just going to call it subadabadabari. Normally, I would know how to say that word, but it's of uh, of the Japanese beverage giant Kirin. There you go. Kirin's good too. Yeah, I like Kirin. But she she wanted to definitely ha- let her employees uh, own own their own company, so they would you know have a part of the work that they were doing and feel pride in what they were doing. And I think that that's a really neat. Yeah, business that is model. really cool. So yeah, so go out and try some new Belgium. And, and try some of the beers from the list if if you can. A lot of them, I will be honest, are very small micro brews, so you may have to live in the region that they actually sell these to. Yeah, we're not we're not snobby beer nerds, but we do like good micro brew beer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll, look, I'll, I'll drink the champagne of beers any day too, but uh, you know, a good micro brew is always good as well. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so enjoy uh, some beer made by ladies. So do we have a song? Of course we have a song. We have a song that's related to this story. We do, and I'm really excited to be able to play this band. Uh, it's a band called um, Dead Sled Funeral Company from mm-hmm. New Orleans. And they uh, we've played with these guys a lot. They're kind of in their wheel, our wheelhouse. They're uh, death rock and horror punk. And they have a really great stage show. They're some snappy dressers. They are some very snappy dressers. I gotta tell you, they are... Gorgeous, mm-hmm. put together. Yep. The show's fantastic. Um, very dark, romantic. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I can't suggest them enough. But this song is called Hysteria, and it's from their uh, Casket Tapes EP from April twenty fifth, twenty twenty. How about that? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So um, we hope you guys really enjoy it. We're gonna put a link to the show notes to their Bandcamp. We enjoy it. Yeah. So you, you can too. check them out and purchase their uh, Casket. Tapes EP, and I do think that they are working currently. If, if I understand correctly, they are working on new music right I've now. I've heard something about that. Yeah, so this is knows. Hysteria by Dead Sled Funeral Company. Let's do this.
questions in their eyes Life it has no meaning All nightmares come to life Lacerations always scattered Dead Funeral Company mm-hmm. off of their EP casket tapes. Go download their stuff. Yeah, we're going to put a link to the show notes to uh, Dead Sled stuff. Um, and you can hopefully go and download their their EP. It's really awesome, and I hear that they're working on new stuff now, and I can't wait to see them live again. At some point, yeah, we might get to see them live again. Yep. Looks like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Sean, you want to open up this uh, next segment? Yeah, so... Um... What if I told you I wanted to go on a hunting trip where I could earn two million bucks? Well, first I would have to say, are you going to kill anything? No. Because you're not allowed. No. I'm not going to kill what it is we're looking for. So then I would guess, say, well, okay, well, how are you going to capture it and is it dangerous? Well, how am I going to capture it? I can't tell you that. I guess it's a secret. You can't tell people our secrets about that because then, then they're going to get the two million bucks. Yeah, but that leads me to think that you're not telling me so you can make the capture on your own and then, then leave with all the money, the winnings. That might be a possibility. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Don't leave me with this amazing new uh, setup for podcasting <laughs> <laughs> that right. we don't know how to use. Right. Anyway, we'll set it up, Sean. So, two million bucks if you can capture Bigfoot unharmed. All right. That's caveat, unharmed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, all right, how do we do it? Well, you got to go to Oklahoma. That's right. You got to go to Oklahoma because um, at the end of January, 
the state representative, Justin Humphrey, uh, he filed legislation to establish what he hoped would be um, good for local tourism, which is a Bigfoot hunting season. That's a pretty good idea, you know, because uh, it says over the next few weeks, the bill died in committee. It, the bill did die. So you're saying it's a good idea because it died in committee? No, it's a good idea <laughs> to boost tourism around Bigfoot because, I mean, don't we all look Love Bigfoot and Sasquatch? No, he had a really good idea. Yeah. And he wanted to, in order to encourage people to go to Oklahoma, because honestly, I really don't know anything about it. We're all the way down here in New Orleans. And I don't know much about Oklahoma or Oklahoma tourism, but to kind of lure people in for a, a fun time and maybe something that's like would be affordable for a whole different range of people. Um, he's wanted to set aside uh, $25,000 uh, for the legislature to uh, have a Bigfoot bounty. Now, he definitely was not saying we want you to uh, kill no, Bigfoot and bring us Bigfoot. his pelt. No way. So he Jerk. was like, you have to bring him in alive. Now, of course, his bill died in committee. However, um, there was a big Hollywood movie production that stepped in. He was also totally okay with the fact that it died. He told Enid News Eagle and New. Enid News and Eagle newspaper, he's okay with it not making out of the committee because he said the exposure did exactly what, what he wanted, was to promote interest in tourism in southeast Oklahoma. Okay, I, you just totally just cut me off. Sorry. That's what I was going to say. Well, I was going to say, not only, not yeah. only was he not disappointed self. because it got lots of press, mm-hmm. but it got so much press that even though he didn't get his $25,000, he got an offer from a Hollywood movie that I, I can't figure Hollywood out which Bigfoot one it is. Hollywood Bigfoot movie. Yeah, we haven't figured it out. I did try to research it and find out which one it is, but there's evidently an upcoming Hollywood movie that was going to put up the $1 million. $2 million. Oh, it was $2 million? $2 million. Holy cow, they're not, yeah, it was $2 million. They're yeah, not even playing around. around. $2 million. Well, And another private business, who I guess they don't want to be named, promised an additional $100,000. Well, why wouldn't you want to be named? Well, some people like to do things. Maybe and, they think you're going to walk around with $100,000. No, some people just like to do things anonymously, you know? Anyways, yeah. So that basically eliminated any need for any state funding, which that's pretty awesome. Right. So you can still get paid, but, you know, you don't have to worry about going after the state for it. And he had a uh, he had a further plan that he wanted to tie it into. Um, he wanted to tie in the uh, Bigfoot hunt. They were going to put some rules aside for it, and with the uh, convention that happens every year, and I think that happens around October in Oklahoma, so he could bring families in, and they could go out in the woods and do some camping, you know, fishing and exploring, and kind of look for Bigfoot at the same time. And you never know, maybe to make uh, $2 million if you find Bigfoot. $2 million. What a cool idea, though, because basically it's like um, if you – do catch Bigfoot unharmed, not killed. Uh, not not only do you get the two million bucks, but the state taxpayers aren't paying for that. Yet they're reaping the benefits of all the money coming in from the tourism. So that's yeah, I like think a, it's a sweet. It's like I think really it's a sweet, cool, great idea. Really cool idea. And a lot of people get out in nature. Yeah. Um, it's something affordable that they can do. I've never wanted to go to Oklahoma, but now I kind of want to go to Oklahoma and look for Bigfoot now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and he also wanted to tie in like bumper stickers and t-shirts and all kinds of like promotional stuff that would also uh, make money for the state as well. Yeah. And th- th- thinking outside the box, cause it says here, the profits from the Bigfoot tourism campaign would be used for lake park and road improvements. I mean, yeah. And like, once again, you know, Wait, what, what improvements? aren't paying for that. What improvements? Road improvements. What else? Lake and park road. What was that first one? What? Did you say lake improvements? Lake improvements. Oklahoma is landlocked, but guess what? 
I got all kinds of lakes. You know what that means I have? Fish. What else, Sean? They got beaches, am I right? That's right. And so <laughs> I found, uh, there, yeah, yeah, you are not too quick on the uptake no. on that one today. Thanks for uh, just letting me lobby that up in the air and you just letting it drop, womp, dude. Womp, womp. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Bigfoot and I like beaches. All right, so we got a song that ties yeah, into the landlocked. How, how perfect! I, I gotta say, I do I do find really good songs. Yeah, and this one was perfect because it ties in uh, it ties in tourism and Bigfoot and beaches, which Oklahoma has. Bigfoot I did beaches. not know that. So there's a song about Bigfoot and beaches. There is, and it's a by a band called Grave Danger. By the way, this song has been stuck in my head. I'm not complaining about that because no, it's, he's it's been a really, around for it's real, really catchy tune. So yeah, the dogs know it by now at this point. Yeah, and this song is called Bigfoot Beach by a band called Grave Danger. Now they're from Berkeley, California, and this is from their October 23rd, 2019 uh, album uh, EP, Tomb It May Concern. Oh, that's nice. Witty, Tomb It May mm-hmm. Concern. So um, they are. A ska band, then they sing about skeletons and ghosts and stuff. That's right up our alley. The ska, the skeleton. We, 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 you and I have both been in ska bands. We like the skeletons. We like the ghosties. We like all that stuff. Yeah, it's cute, and this is a banger. And we, I, we, I, we've only played like a few ska, ska bands, I think. Ska la 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 la. Ska la 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 la. Bands on the podcast, so I'm really excited to be able to play this one. So this is Grave Danger from Berkeley, California with Bigfoot Beach. Get your shorts on. Searching for a big foot beach. 
Beach out of Berkeley, California. We are going to put a uh, link to our show notes um, to Grave Danger's uh, Bandcamp. As always, go download their stuff. Now, I, now I, I just want to go to Oklahoma. Sounds fun. But before we go to Oklahoma, now I want to go to the beach and drink some Witch's Brew beer on the beach. We should do all this. We should turn this episode into a vacation. Yeah. You know where I don't want to go, though? Where do you not want to go? I may not want to go to Mendocino County and look around in there. Well, if you do, you got to be very careful yeah. because that is weed country. Well, we're, we started watching this uh, new documentary on Hulu called Sasquatch. And I didn't know what to expect at first, but I had heard really, really good things about it. Yeah. First and thing I'm, you hear, it's, oh, it's another show about Sasquatch. Like, okay, there's a lot of that going on. What is this going to be about? And holy moly, what a great show. Right. So, um... It's not another Sasquatch hunting show. No. It's a, and, and I, like I said, I went in not really sure if I was going to enjoy it or not, but we've only watched the first episode. I do want to preface it with that. So I kind of want to start you guys where we're at. Um, and, and I don't know too much about it, but people have binged it and they said it only gets crazier and crazier, but essentially, um, there's a journalist named David Holthouse. Um, and he was in Mendocino County in the nineties. And I think, what was it, 1990? It was 93. 93. 93, he was working, um, he was working over there. As he, he's done a lot of, he's a, just look into his history. You'll see, you'll, you'll see his history when you see the episode as far as how in-depth he goes with his investigative reporting, which is really impressive. But anyway, in 1993, he was uh, working for a weed farm. Up in Northern California. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so technically, I guess that's like the tip of the Pacific Northwest, I right. think. So something, ha- yeah, they said, you know, the plants can grow like 10 feet tall and, you know, Sasquatch. There's just nothing out there. Sasquatch, and that's- you just bite the types off, tops off of them and, you know, go on. So apparently something happened where three people were killed and ripped apart. So the theory is that, you know, maybe it was a Sasquatch that did it for some reason. Well, and, and it's a very interesting documentary because he, um, he has this memory that he heard, overheard this conversation, uh, this panicked conversation on this farm that he was working at. Yeah. But then 30 years later, he kind of remembers this this conversation. He says, well, did this really happen? Is there any truth to this? So then he starts doing some digging. And um, like I said, we're only through the first episode, but he has some confirmation that maybe that this was a real uh, a real conversation that he did over here. Like a real event that did happen, like... Right. So, but he, but he gets a private detective. He starts calling around. He starts going down this rabbit hole of this incident. Um, and what I really like about this show is they have some very, very interesting interviews on this. Mm -hmm. Of course, they've got a a Patterson who, um, was half of the Patterson Gimlin film. Of course, the most famous, the Patty film that everybody knows about. Um, yeah, that's one that everybody's seen. They interview him Mm -hmm. and he's always fantastic interview because I truly believe that there was no uh, sort of fakery on his part going. I think that I think that what he filmed, he still to this day believes that that he saw it. Seems like a really down to earth guy. He sounds like a he seems like a really nice guy. And the other other interview in the first episode that I really liked was with Jeff Meldrum. Um, he, now Jeff Meldrum, if you guys don't know who he is, he is a professor of uh, anatomy and anthropology in Ohio State. 
Um, so what he does is he studies locomotion. He studies big footprints, things that are things that are alleged to be big footprints. Um, That's where you get the cast from. Yeah. Yeah. For the casts mm-hmm. and things like that. When people do the cast. Right. Um, he's an expert on that to see if this could be some real locomotion by a real bipedal hominid that we have not discovered yet. We actually got to meet him in Maine. Yeah. And, and the, the, the interesting thing about uh, when you get these experts on, too, is that they kind of they lend a credibility that there might be something. And some of the most one of the interesting things that he said is, you know, the first thing that everybody says is, well, why have we not found any Bigfoot carcasses or dead Bigfoot? Yeah, that's always a question. It makes sense. Like, well, <laughs> you know, excuse me, you get a big creature like this. At some point, they're going to die. Why has no one found the remains? Right. And um, what Meldrum said is that there's, I think, what, uh, there's, like, if there, bunch you of never bears. find it, you never walk through the woods and find a bear carcass, yeah. either so a the bear amount, bones. the amount of uh, Sasquatch, you know, if you take a, take a guess at it, say there's 300 Sasquatch, the amount of bear in that country is, you know, tenfold that. There's bears everywhere, but you never just go walking around and you find a bear carcass. Because nature, no. nature takes care of that sort of thing. And from what they were saying, you could take a, what, a helicopter over that part of the world? Yeah. Um, it's just terrain that can't be, you can't really navigate it. It's mountains, it's woods, it's it's forest for, you know, thousands of square miles. So, you know, it's not like this is an easy place to get to and, you know, something dies, it's going to be taken care of and no one's ever going to see it because no one ever goes there. You can't go there. You can't just go there. There's no roads. And I don't think we understand how much uncharted territory there is kind of like in the United States right. that people really don't know, really haven't gone into there. Not and so, everything is paved. Hmm? Not everything is paved. Not everything's paved. So, uh, so, so far really, really good documentary. Yeah. We're liking it a lot, but it does raise a question. Yeah. Where are all the Bigfoot bones? Where are all the Bigfoot bones? That's a really good question. And, and there's a band I hear that sang about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if I can find my notes on the band here. Notesy, notesy, notes. We've been listening to all these songs, by the way. Yeah, I know. This one is really, really good. I really wanted to kind of like incorporate some um, bluegrass into this, too. And so we got... Uh, and you know we got to talk about Bigfoot. I mean, we actually have a Bigfoot that lives in our front yard. Seven, oh, we do. Seven-foot Bigfoot. Yeah, yep. we do. Tell them about the Bigfoot. Oh yeah, I didn't. Uh, so I didn't tell Melissa. I got a, uh, you know, this Bigfoot. It's a, it's not a three D sculpture. It's uh, one of those metal. It's like a silhouette in the famous, you know, the famous pose that everybody knows, the Sasquatch with his arms, you know, like he's walking. So I put him out in the front yard. We live on the end of a dead end street, so we don't have to worry about that sort of thing. But he now lives in our front yard. So anybody that comes by, that's that's how you know that's where we are because it's a Sasquatch. In our and front yard. In our front yard. He doesn't have bones because he's made like out of no. metal or something yeah. like that. It's like a metal silhouette type deal. But you can ask yourself where all the Bigfoot bones are. Mm-hmm. We haven't found any. No. But, and you know who does ask that question is a band called Filthy Still. Yep. They're from Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, uh, they have a song called Where All the Bigfoot Bones off their June 24, 2015 album, Dirty and Low. Now, uh, from their website, uh, Filthy Still says that they are a bluegrass punk band hailing from the East Coast. They tour year-round in North America and Europe, making many friends and fans along the way. They were signed to Farmageddon Records in 2011, and they have been playing shows and festivals ever since. How about that? They've got a play a wide range of musical instruments, and they capture a unique mixture of sounds 
that inspired hillbillies and punks alike to get rowdy. This is a slamming song. This is a beer drinking song. It is. And I I did quote this directly from their, um, I guess from their band camp. However, I will say that this is of a 2015 album. So I don't know if they are currently writing music. Um, I couldn't really find out uh, if they are still touring. Well, of course, nobody's touring right now. We hope they are because this song is really, really banging. And it is called Where Are All the Bigfoot Bones? This is another one, by the way. I've been screaming <laughs> screaming the lyrics of randomly at the, around the house because it's another catchy tune. And the dogs are just like, well, the dogs don't care because they're used to that sort of thing. But <laughs> Yeah, it's off their 2015 album, Dirty and Low. So this is Filthy Still with Where Are All the Bigfoot Bones? Crack a beer. Still with Where Are All the Bigfoot Bones? That's a beer drinking song right there. Yep, off their June 24, 2015 album, Dirty and Low. Uh-huh. So we'll put a link to the show notes in the show notes to their band camp so you can purchase that album. Yes, go, go download them. their stuff. Support these bands. Yep, absolutely. Well, we got one more story. We do. This one comes from Popular Mechanics, which Pop- I love Popular Mechanics. Yeah, I feel like we're getting old when you're, uh, you know, because we actually get the actual the paper subscription I believe that's actually still a thing well we also i mean we're not just getting paper subscriptions sure. we have all the stuff online, but it is so. nice getting the actual magazine in the mail yeah popular mechanics national geographic uh i i get stuff from all over the place the drive uh new yorker um 
I I I am an old person now. <laughs> so I even so, sometimes read stuff off the government websites. You ever think I'd be going to the Department of Defense and, and, and reading all their stuff uh-huh. too? But, but uh, they get, they're chock full of goodness. Mm-hmm. Chock full of UAP goodness. We won't talk about that right now. No, maybe we're not. We but I, next time, episode... We won't. Or maybe we'll just disappear and you'll never hear from us again. You'll be like, probably. <laughs> I don't care. So next next episode, we're probably going to jump back into aliens because there has been a... a, a, a I can't say... You, Unidentified aerial phenomena. We're probably going to jump back uh, into that. I still call them UFOs, whatever. Right, I know. Well, you know. But anyway, so after you die, speaking of getting old, after you die, you could be resurrected as a chatbot. How do you feel about that? Dude, I don't want to be resurrected as anything. No. <laughs> I think I think I have, have lived this life to the fullest, and I don't need to be res- resurrected as anything. I don't want, look, y'all can look at my photos after I'm gone. And listening to my punk rock music that I left right. behind mm-hmm. and tell stories about me, but I or d- don't. Or, I don't want yeah. you don't need to interact with me. No. I don't look, you don't get a Ouija board out. <laughs> you don't try to contact me. No medium. This this house is clean. Like none of that. No. I don't want any of that. I don't know. Just let well, you me might go. not need any of that because uh, apparently in December the US Patent and Trademark Office granted a patent to Microsoft. Microsoft. That outlines a process to create a conversational chatbot of a specific person using their social data. You know, all that stuff you tweet. Yeah, think about that, that stupid stuff you, stuff you put online. Yeah, you know, all that stuff you late night drinking and you get on Facebook and you post all that stuff that all could be used to put into an algorithm and create an artificially intelligent chatbot of you. Uh, that's funny. Artificially intelligent. Mm. Just like most social media. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's the difference? But think about that. So what they're going to do is they're going to take all your data and they're going to put it together and they're going to try to make a a, a, a facsimile. Mm-hmm. Facsimile. 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 Of you. Of you. Now, uh, of all your emojis and your sarcasm and whatever else y'all put up, your memes. Could you imagine what your personality would be like. I mean, how accurate could that possibly be? I mean, it might be accurate. I don't mine, know. Mine would be very quiet. I don't know. I mean, I guess. <laughs> well, and... Uh, yours would just, like... Yours just would talk about Depeche Mode all day. Yeah, mine would be, like, Spock. Probably. Yeah, you'd be, like, Capricorny and... That is illogical. Capricorny and Depeche you, Mode. You could ask my chat about questions, and I'd be just like, that is illogical. That I, is I don't not, know. That is not fascinating. Now, if they took all your text messages and stuff like that, too. Now, you you don't have a big social media profile, which no. is probably wise. You're not on the Twitter and stuff like that. No, I can't get to the, I never could get to Twitter. I don't, I don't, well, I don't. We're, we're, we do have a Twitter for... Stay off my digital Twitter lawn. I don't understand it. Well, we do have a Twitter for this... We do. For, for this podcast. We, we do. got Instagram, Facebook. We have all that. I don't know um, how it works. I don't... I, I know. We don't update it nearly as much as we should. And now I don't... I don't know if I want to. If they're going to make chatbots of us after. Well, apparently, die. as the uh, technology progresses, and the the system can even generate a two D or three D simulacrum. I'm not pronouncing that right. I'm sure, but anyway, you know, you know what I mean. Simulation, person, bro. Simulation. simulation. Just say the word simulation. A hologram. You've seen the Tupac hologram. You've seen the Aussie hologram. You know. Do they have an Aussie hologram? Uh, well, it wasn't of Aussie. That was of his. I'm thinking of a stage. 
show he did years ago, but they do have a Tupac one. I'm sure they will have an Ozzy one at some point. I think that they've done all kinds of people at this point. Right. I, that's another. I don't get that. I don't want to go see a hologram of someone playing. That's weird. But well, anyway. and, okay, well that raises okay, so let's stop there. That raises a lot of legal questions too with the estate. It sure does. Like, can your estate license you? That's the that's the problem. That's, yeah, so, that's a problem. So if, if something, God forbid, were to happen to you, would I be like, okay, if somebody offered me like a million dollars, I'd be like, all right, go ahead and make a Sean chatbot. But that wouldn't be that would be against your wishes. Right. So now are we going to have to start putting on our will that we don't want yes, this, our are, data that's what made? Have, that's exactly what you're going to have to do. Right. So it's going to change wills. It's going to change end of life decisions. Right. Um, I, I think technology is going too far. So Irina Reiku, the director of the Internet Ethics Program at Santa Clara University's Markula Center for Applied Ethics, says, quote, if you try to create a very good chatbot for someone who died, you could put words in people's mouths that they never said. That's an issue. Right. And this uh, this popular mechanics article also mentions uh, Black Mirror, which there was an episode that was extremely... There was. And was, I actually, I know that they a, mentioned that one... episode. They mentioned one um, called Be Right Back, but I, I believe that they've had actually several. Right. Like, think about the uh, like the Miley Cyrus episode, yeah. where they had the little doll, yeah. and the doll was supposed to be kind of like your, your friend that was also her. But I think that they took a lot of her mannerisms and things like that, too, and put it in a little doll... And, of course, that caused all kinds of problems, too. Speaking of Black Mirror, they need to put out those unreleased episodes. Just put it out there. They have unreleased episodes? Yeah, I think there was a whole other season, but they, they kind of put the kibosh on it. Oh, yeah, because they, they said, didn't they say something about 2019 being too depressing? Uh, 2020 being too depressing? Or I think it was a little too real, or 2020. It was a little too real with the whole pandemic Well, that's really interesting, because maybe they got a little too close to what happened or like, well, the whole, they're very, it's, it's, it's the a, whole, the whole deal with that show was, it was, it was about five years in the future, but, uh, they really I, are. We're five years were, in th- the future. I, I think they were nailing it so well that, uh, it wasn't really five years in the future is maybe about five months in the future, which does kind of they like, kind of, they kind of put the kibosh in a whole season. And it's like, I want to see that season now. Well, that, and then that kind of leads to the fact that it's like, you know, are we quickly becoming prophetic with the future where we can, see these really fast-moving technological advances almost simultaneously as they happen. We can kind of almost predict right. um, what's coming in the future, which is really, really interesting. So, um, although... Yeah, yeah it, No, I'm just saying that, um, that uh, Microsoft, uh, uh, Popular Mechanics did, and, and my Popular Mechanics does great research. Uh, they really go and ask people stuff, but they... Uh, they did ask Microsoft about the patent, and um, evidently they, they didn't get much out of them. But, uh, well, Raikou uh, does say that an individual has a constitu- constitutional right to privacy. So this sort of a chatbot is already a violation of a deceased person's autonomy. They have no say in which bits of their social data go into the final chatbot, for instance. And creating a chatbot modeled on a person who has never consented in the first place feels unfair because they aren't part of the decision-making process. So in other words, if you're making a will, you're going to maybe uh, have to think about, you can't use any of my social media for well, a Well, okay, box. so that's where I'm going, though. Right. That's where I'm going with that. Right. Where I'm going with that is they reached out to Microsoft yeah. to find out if this is actually happening and if this is going to be an issue that's immediate. And um, and they, it's like I said, they didn't get, they, they didn't tell much, tell my, they didn't tell them much 
But uh, they directed us to a tweet from, uh, ironically enough, on January 22nd from Tim O'Brien, which is a general manager of AI programs at Microsoft. And he confirmed that there's no active plans for the company uh, to use this this patent yet. Uh, now, he didn't say yet. He says there's no active plans to use it. And he kind of, like, laughed it off. Right. And, and he said, and uh, this is the tweet, he said, if I ever get a job writing for Black Mirror, I'll know to go to the United States Post, uh, the United States Patent Office uh, for story ideas. So that was his tweet. So, but he, they also have the patent to do this. They said there's no active plans to do it. But does that mean it's not going to happen in the future? I don't know. I think, and, and I think that, um, I think that, there's enough people that will want that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. There's that a lot that of it's, totally it's actually, it is. I, I to, do. To, people, yeah. To, people totally want that to go on. I, I do perceive it to be an issue I don't now. Get it, but now is it a generational thing? Are we too old to want something like this? Probably. Um, and, and maybe the young kids, they don't mind, but what I, I, I would have to see something like this actually happen. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, think, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't care. You know, when that time comes, because I wouldn't be here, I'd be dead, so I wouldn't care. But at the same time, before I'm dead, I'd be like, eh, I don't know about all that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not too down with Like that. I said, it's like really hard for them to take a whole bunch of stuff and put it together and capture your personality. It's not that hard. You can't, what do you mean it's not well, that hard? Well, it's not that, well, your personality is for is like text. No, 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 no. I mean, but you can't text and get any sort of like uh, no, there's emotional. No, there's no tone in text. No, there's no tone in text. Not yet. It doesn't account for sarcasm. No. What if you said something terribly terrible that was completely sarcastic? But then they put that into a bot or an algorithm or something like right. that. So that becomes who you are. Right. I mean, what a nightmare you that say is. Something that, uh, That's your legacy now. Right. You say something that might might offend people and then you're, you know, whatever. It's, it's, and another thing knows? is, another thing is, is we, while we are alive, we have the ability to change. We have the ability to grow. But after you're dead, that's it. So your mind might have changed about something. You might have been able to grow as a person. But if they just take who you were while you were alive... And that's it. And and also, like I said, I really don't think that they're ever able to going to be able to get sarcasm right, um, or, or or tone or any of that. No. I just think it's impossible. Well, they do acknowledge the scenario that you can imagine people might you know want to put in their will about you know how you can't archive my data and use it. But then again, they also acknowledge you know who's actually going to sue the person that built the chatbot or the company that made chatbot. Who who's actually going to sue them? You know, maybe some other family members who know, who know what will be said and objects to it. But other family members want to know what that chatbot will say. It's a, it's a, it's a giant can of worms. Well, and also to sue a big company like that, it's like you know you, you would it would have to be probably like a some sort of class action lawsuit. So to be way down the road. That's a whole mess of like mess that. of madness that I don't even want to think about. Well, but of course we did find a song that relates to it. Yes, this song. Again, another band that I've been just dying and itching to play. Yeah, very some very friends of ours, good friends of ours from North Carolina. Yeah, when we went to uh, when we went to Maine on tour uh, on our way home, we needed a final show, and it was a Tuesday in South Carolina. And this band in particular were the ones that made it happen. It was Thirty Years Sick. I contacted Will. We needed we needed to put together a show on a Tuesday in North Carolina, and he I contacted I contacted the club. He he got me in touch with Will from 30 Years Sick, and we put together this great show at this fantastic venue, which is full of history. Bands like Nirvana and Bad Brains played there. Uh, look up the Milestone. 
in North Carolina. It's a very wonderful venue. But anyway, they hooked up this whole show, and they have some amazing music, music as well that we're about to play. Yeah, so um, they do hail from Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is a blurb from their uh, band camp, I believe. A lot of dark wave there. Yeah, there is like a really, really robust mm-hmm. scene, and I love everybody from there. I don't know, I, I don't know what it is about the people in, in North Carolina. Yeah, our They're friends. Their, their uh, scene is amazing out yeah, there. Yeah, our friends, uh, Solemn Shapes, who also yeah. play that same show. Who and Mulholland. Yeah, they're all for, you know all connected. And Mulholland played. That was a that was a that was something special too. But uh, yeah, they all hail from there, and uh, that was a great show that we got to play. Though the one rock band and they totally were open to us playing and it was an amazing experience. Yeah. So from their uh, band camp, um, it says that 30 years sick is breaking down the stereotype of female front bands with strong, emotionally charged vocals and intelligent lyrics that avoid the cliche themes of sex and heartbreak. Very unique live show too. Yes. Their songs blur the lines between genres and shatter preconceived ideas of what electronic music should be seamlessly blending synths and live instruments. This band rocks too. I like the song a lot. Yeah, this band, they, they, I guess you could call them a dark wave band. You could, they have industrial elements. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, they it reminds are me like, a lot of my favorite um, things with the whole genre of like industrial and uh, you know dark wave. They're and punk synth as hell music. though, man. Yeah, Those guys it, yeah. are like they have an intense show. It, it's it's synth, but it's also punk as hell. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I love it. It's it's rock and roll, and um, they're I think they'd appeal to a lot of people. You guys are gonna love this song, and this song is called "Who Do You Think You Are." Right now, this song was released as a single on November 29th, twenty sixteen, but they do have a new album out now, uh, now, and it's called Storms. And it was released in February of twenty twenty. I really hope that we get to play something off of that soon. This song just fit with the format tonight and I really do like it a lot. Yeah. So um this is Who Do You Think You Are by Thirty Years Sick. Turn this one up really loud because I always do. And just do what I do. But yeah.
that was Who Do You Think You Are by 30 Years Sick. 30 Years Sick. And it was released as a single on November 29, 2016. We are going to put a link to them in our show notes. Definitely go download their, their stuff. Bandcamp, where you can get the entire collection. And you can get their new album uh, called Storms, which was released in February 2020. Order, order some merch, too. They got a great shirt done by our friend Joshua D'Artes. Yes, yeah, so Chatter Skull really Art. art Chatter Skull Art. Which now, Joshua really does, art. yeah, Joshua does, uh, did our last album. And he also did a t-shirt for us as well. Yep. So go download it. We're going to uh, punch out for the evening and see if uh, this sounds like poo or if it's workable. Uh, I guess if you're hearing it, then you'll know our decision on that. And uh, see you next time. We're going to do this a lot more regularly. Well, I do want to point out that this technology is new. Our our interface is new. Our setup is new. Our mics are new. The room so is new. So please be patient with us. The objective is, is to give you a better listening experience. Yes, and, and let us know, uh, Gilbert, because we know you will Yeah, let it's going to be Gilbert. So you let, know he's, he's going to be right. Let us know the we're problems. We're calling you out right now. Yeah, let us know the problems, and uh, we will fix them. Yeah, or we're going to try. But see you next time. It will be a... Uh, should be next week. Yeah, we're going to yep, do this episode regularly. Episode 11. Now. We're going to get on this. Yep. See you soon. Bye. Bye.